Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S t-o-l-k-i-e-n and instagram at tipples and tolkien so cozy up pour yourself a drink and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien stations action stations set condition one throughout the podcast welcome again to set condition one a night shift radio production i'm your host sc1 actual caleb and with me is my jump in the gun xo kitsy that's me and the president of the 12 colonies andrea that is me caleb so welcome again everyone caleb. yes yes hello caleb happy bastille yes. day Happy Bastille Day. Uh, this, is a, this is a big day for us, uh, because not only is it Bastille Day, it's also world, Bastille Day. It, it's also Bastille Day on Battlestar Galactica, because that's right, today we're talking about episode three of Battlestar Galactica, Bastille Day. Bastille And yes, we did time that exactly right to do just that. Caleb, yeah, this I was get, 100% uh, on purpose. And if you want more of that kind of precision timing, then please uh, head on over to secondition one throughout the podcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, give us a subscribe so you can get uh, our uh, right on time precision every week in your uh, pod box. With, uh, with that said, let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I just wanted to be included. So, I, it, you are always included. That's why you're part of the podcast. <laughs> All right. You did know that you're one of the part hosts, of the, right? Yeah. I'm not you're, just an every week guest. You're part of this. Oh, hey, you know, like you're, the you're, song. You're not just like sitting and like recording yourself talking and then like, we're like, oh, I mean, I guess now we have to put it in. <laughs> yeah. You sent me the Evite, so. You sent me the audio every week and I'm like, I guess I'll put this I in the guess. podcast. I don't know why she keeps doing this. <laughs> It's like a listen along at home. It's for the Patreon. Okay. Mm. My head's so, in the game. If you remember so. from last week. Or wait, sorry. Am I doing your job, Caleb? Do you want to do it? <laughs> you can. I mean, I don't want to take I'm, your I'm job. I'm actually now I want to know what you have to say. Oh, okay. Well, if you remember from last week, uh we determined that uh Ira Glass was a Cylon. That's not true. That was two weeks ago. It was. It was two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. I'm confused because two weeks ago episode came out today as we're recording this. 
yesterday. Yesterday. We record in the future. Anyway. Weird that... Oh, was it yesterday? Oh it was God. yesterday because it's Wednesday. Maybe, oh, my God. Maybe we should let Caleb do Caleb's job, huh? Yeah. Uh, Caleb, why don't you do it? Because, <laughs> holy shit, I'm so off. We're in for a silly one today, I think. So, we... Uh... We have our list of who uh, we know so far in the Battlestar Galactic universe is a Cylon. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, to recap, that's uh, number six, sometimes referred to as Caprica. Uh, oh. Boomer, Sharon Valeri. Leoben, the uh, tweaker in the armory, I believe we referred to him as. <laughs> yes. And the uh, tour guide, Doral. Uh, but of course, Andrea is keeping a running list of people that she thinks is a Cylon, both in the show and in the real world. Uh, so uh, sorry to break the news for all of you who are just joining us for the first time, but uh, Ira Glass is in fact a Cylon. Uh, and, you know. That's not canon, we... but we're pretty sure it's true. Can I ask a question <laughs> may... of my co-hosts? Yes, uh, I wish you would. <laughs> how how did we come to that conclusion? Uh, you came to that conclusion, and I'm really not sure how. I think our um, audio engineer may have... Uh... Due to the magic of editing, we have no idea <laughs> how you came to that conclusion. But I'm... All I know is that it was stated definitively, yep. so as far as I know, it's... Uh, oh, he's on the list. Fact, I still feel so. it in my heart. I was just wondering <laughs> if that if he came to me in a dream or what, so... But yeah, for sure, so, Ira Glass. So in, in the, in, so he is the six-tier Gaius Baltar. You have Ira Glass in your head telling you what to do. <laughs> can, can I trade him in for Roman Mars if I have to pick which podcast host i want roman mars that's fair you know i'm i'm not 100 percent sure you get to choose which uh cylon appears in your brain you but uh 99 i'll allow it percent sure <laughs> uh i mean roman mars is definitely a cylon too i mean come on what kind of name is roman mars <laughs> that's fake as fuck it's like if you ask which me, i think is I exactly what i said about ira glass so <laughs> <laughs> Roman Mars actually sounds like a, a Balsar Galactica name. It does, because yeah. Because of all of the uh, the mythology. Oh, yeah, uh, good call. And, yeah. So, previously on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, if you remember, all the way back from the miniseries, uh, when the uh, colonials were, were gathering together as, as many survivors as they can to try to uh, escape the, the Cylon onslaught and preserve the species... Uh, there was a ship in their midst that uh, had been a prisoner transport. Uh, the uh, help me out. What was Astral uh, what was Queen? The, that ship? the Astral Queen. Thank you. Uh, and there had been some debate early on about what to do about those prisoners, uh, and it was established that uh, in fact they were they were not going to be um, left behind. They were not going to be uh, sacrificed in any way, and they were going to be treated humanely and. Uh, with dignity uh, by order of the president. So uh, Laura Roslin right away establishing herself as a, uh, a kind and uh, reasonable uh, leader in times of crisis. If you remember from uh, our last episode, there was a, uh, a water crisis amongst the fleet after sabotage vented the, uh, over 60% of the fleet's water reserves out into space. And... Uh, there were riots breaking out across the, the fleet as a shortage started to uh, occur, but uh, there was hope. We found a, an icy planet with pure water ice that... Uh, water ice. The, water. <laughs> water ice for water? all my Philly listeners. Got, okay, good. Got water I, like, ice? I definitely didn't say that. 
Warder uh, here in, in St. Louis. In Philly, it's pronounced Wooder. <laughs> uh, they can be harvested and uh, purified and used to replenish the supplies. Hopefully, they repair the uh, the holes in the tanks first, because otherwise, filling them would be a pretty uh, be a colossal waste gesture. of time. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the effort was going to take a tremendous amount of human power to do. In fact, they they felt that it would require at least a, a thousand able bodies and. Where amongst the fleet were they going to find that many workers? Well, it turns out they had a, uh, a possible solution right at hand with the men on the Astral Queen. But no, we're not going to treat these men as slave labor. We're not going to uh, force them to do this work. We'll give them the choice uh, to do the work in exchange for possibly earning their, their freedom and, once again, their, their place in this new society. Especially, we learned uh, shortly into the episode that most of these men were actually being transported to parole hearings. So, uh, you know, maybe in their past they had been hardened criminals. We really don't learn much about their backgrounds except for one. Um, but we know that they've, they've served their sentences and they're ready to, uh, to return to society. And so the, uh, the fleet sends a... Uh, a negotiator uh, to speak with the uh, the prisoners and try to win their trust, and that negotiator is none other than Commander uh, Captain Apollo, Captain Lee Adamo. Did I say Adamo? You did. I'm getting my words mixed up. Well, it's it's uh, you're just Apollo and Adamo. Yeah, it's it's a shortcut. Adamo. It's uh, it's a time saver. Um, it is, but it's not just Lee Adama that goes. He takes uh, a few people with him. Uh, That's true. Most notably, Andrea's favorite character, Billy Ray Cylon. Mm. <laughs> He's done nothing to exonerate himself in my brain as uh, Cylon number one, I guess. You think he was the first uh, one? <laughs> <laughs> He's I mean, clearly six is an improvement as is, huh? Do the rest of them? Don't tell me this, but do the rest of them all have a secret number? Like, they all do have a yes. number, but we don't yes. know what any of them are yet. Okay. As far as I know, I also no six is the only one that yeah. we have a, a reference yeah. for the number. Caleb yeah. did say something earlier, and I have been spiraling out on it. Um, and that is that you said that six sometimes goes by Caprica, which I don't, I have not encountered yet. Uh, so that's not really something in the show more as it's, it's like lore around the show because there are there are multiple copies of her that play very important roles in the show. So like the 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 model of six that was on Caprica and was uh, seducing Gaius Baltar and everything is usually referred to as Caprica six. Oh. Whereas the one that's in his head now is referred to as head six. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, so should I? Much like we, so that's really just a way to keep them straight as to like which so one's which. So do you not want what I was theorizing while I should have been listening to the recap, or? But uh, <laughs> but I don't think anyone in the show actually like calls her Caprica ever. Okay, so there's not. I actually do. I do want to know. Yeah, what no, you I'm were very theorizing. curious. So we have how many models altogether? Twelve. 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 And how many signs in the zodiac? Twelve. Twelve. So if six is Caprica, then is one associated with uh, Quarion and 
Aquarium. Aquarium. <laughs> aquarium. Uh, one is definitely associated with an aquarium. Is, That's Boomer. Right, she was an, all wet in the last episode. That's canon. That's canon. Okay. Um, and oh my God, y'all. Okay. Sorry. I know that we're not even through the recap yet, and I still want to talk about Bastille Day in Philly. Um, but isn't one of them named? Is one of them named Leobin? Yes. Like the, the Oban, Leo yeah. from Lee Leon. Oh. Leo. Hey, how about okay. that? Leobin the Leo from Leon. Maybe there's more to this than I thought. Ho-ho. So where does uh, Doral fit into that? Um, Dor- he's Dorable. Um, he's a, he and, is a Dorable. Right, we, we determined that. A, that was my joke. Thank you very much. Aquarians <laughs> are the most attractive. Mm. <laughs> I'll have to come back um, to you on that one. Okay. So also, uh, sp- speaking of uh, getting back on track... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle. Thank so, you. so, so, not only, uh, not only is is uh, Billy, our, our our boy Billy, there on the uh, the Astral Queen detail. Uh, Petty Officer Duala is also there because he <laughs> recommended that she be picked for the duty. And at one point, she even says to him, "I don't know how I got picked for this detail." And Billy goes, "The president thought you'd be, you know, useful." And she's like. The president doesn't know who I am, and he's like, I may have told her, and she's just like, God damn it, Billy. He is <laughs> he is fucking up with her as, so bad. Like he's so awkward. Like, he's just he... he's trying. He's trying so hard, and he's just fucking up every fucking time he turns around. It's almost like maybe he, he is a Cylon and he is so far away uh from like smooth uh when compared to Six, who is like the ultimate seductress. <laughs> Maybe he's he is everything she is not. He's like negative six, basically. He's that <laughs> that far away. The scale goes from he negative six Cylon to model six. Negative six. <laughs> that's that. Yep that that actually would uh, that be twelve would work. That's that's twelve. As long as there's no Xeroth model. Hmm. Xerox. Interesting. Xerox. Yes. Uh, okay. As long as there well, there are many copies. There are many copies. <laughs> So also, uh, when wait, is, hold on, no, please, also, please go on. Also on this detail uh, is our girl Callie, my favorite, oh, yeah. my favorite spaceship mechanic in all of science fiction. Sorry, my second favorite spaceship mechanic in all of science fiction. <laughs> Who's your first? Uh, Kaylee from Firefly, obviously. Okay, good answer, good answer. Callie's also there, uh, and I don't remember how she got pulled for that detail either, but uh, um. I think it was to have someone who understood the uh, the more like technical specifics of the actual mission work to explain it to them should they agree to do the uh, work. That's right. Yeah, because as a Viper mechanic, she's very well versed in pumping water off of a moon. That's right. I remember yes, now. Yes. See, I mean, she probably took some extra uh, moon water extraction classes in mechanic school uh, back on... I don't, I don't know where she's from, Sagittarius. Now, know. now is mechanic uh, actually, school uh, uh, is that like across the street from War College, War College. or? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to picture them being on like a big campus together. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I, I, I made the the comment that I'm not sure of what uh, colony she was from, and I said Sagittarius, but that's actually uh, Duella is actually from Sagittarius, and that's important to this episode. It is. Um. So when our uh, detachment of the the colonials uh, gets to the Astral Queen, well, hold on now. What? <laughs> Bef- what? Before we go over there, what? 
before we head over to the Astral the, Queen. Am I doing my recap or, or what? Boy, you're missing things. We can go back. Okay. That's what a podcast is. <laughs> I'm sorry, a what now? I can't believe the this is The recap is not meant to be a comprehensive synopsis. Okay. The recap All is right. just, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, I'm hitting okay. the basic plot points. So that we can talk about okay. literally episode sorry. five, six, episode six, I believe. We're just now ironing out the format. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> I was saying okay. we to be nice, but I was really trying to stick it to Kitsy. Sorry. Yeah. All right. I'm just, I'm gonna be quiet now until Caleb tells me a lot to speak again. <laughs> okay. That's all you have to do. So our uh, our detachment from the Galactica reaches the the Astral Queen and makes their proposal to the the prisoners and the cells are opened. Uh, the idea being like anyone who's willing to volunteer uh, to do this work in exchange for uh, working towards earning their freedom just step out of their cell. But no one does, not a single person, except after several minutes of uh, of kind of awkward silence. One man steps out and says, uh, I, don't, I don't think anyone's uh, interested in your, in your proposal. And that man is Tom Zarek, noted, uh, depending on your perspective, either terrorist or freedom fighter. Uh, also noted for being played by fucking Richard Hatch, who, fun fact, was the original Captain Apollo from the 1978 Battlestar Galactica series. You have something to say. I can see it. Go on. Are you sure? Yes. I was just going to say, that's true. He is the original Captain Apollo from the uh, 1978 Battlestar Galactica series. Uh, his name is Richard Hatch, and uh, he's he plays Tom Zarek in this uh, incantation of Battlestar Galactica. So basically, you just were, were holding on to a, a recap of everything that I just said. I'm recapping your recap, yes. Okay. I also agree that he was the original Captain Lee Adama on the first... <laughs> Thing thing. Ah, but he wasn't oh. Captain Lee Adama. I mean Apollo. I mean he was, Dad. He was Captain Apollo. What's his first name? Who? Dad Adama. Husker. William Adama. William. Billy. Got it. <laughs> so fun fact, I was looking at photos from the original Battlestar Galactica. And remember how we talked uh, in the pilot about how this was based on uh basically riding the coattails of of Star Wars sudden fame. Uh Captain Apollo looks very much like the Luke Skywalker to Starbucks Han Solo. Mm -hmm. If you look at them, it's, it's mm -hmm. like so very obviously based That's on. Funny. Also, I love that Baltar was Count Baltar. <laughs> and he was, he was like the villain. Yes. Count Baltar! That's so good. I don't know why. I told you. Villain or Mad <laughs> King? Like, <laughs> or both. <laughs> or both in, uh, in that show. There's no Count in this... Uh, in this uh, Battlestar Galactica, and I'm I'm a little disappointed by that. We need a count. Yeah, really, I th I think that uh, this show is is severely lacking in the, in the count department. Uh, we don't really have counts anymore as as a species, do we? Like that, we kind of got rid of that position. <laughs> well, there's Count Ducula, and there's Count. It's Count Chocula. <laughs> yes, Count Chocula is very important. Uh, Although I thought he retired. Booberry. Oh wait, what are we? There's the count. <laughs> Who, who teaches us how to count? Vampires uh, famously um, unable to pass by uh, multiple items of things without counting them, which is true. Um, yes, that's how you. That's how you can defeat vampires. Is just put a whole a bunch of the same thing in one area and then just run away. It's true. 
I'm putting in the show notes notes to remind myself, <laughs> where have all the counts gone? Where have all the counts gone? Uh, so Tom Zarek uh, makes his, his, uh, his bold statement that uh, the men aren't, uh, aren't interested in uh, playing the, the games on the terms of the, uh, the, the Galactica crew. And that, uh, that's, that's really it. Like you can just uh, you can walk away and we won't be your slaves, which is I find very interesting. I'm actually gonna I, I think pick some some holes in Derek's arguments throughout this, uh, but I find it very interesting that they explicitly say like we're here to treat you with with dignity and not as slaves and to offer you this choice. And he's like, we won't be your slaves. I'm like, no, you won't. Like literally. <laughs> We just like, you literally won't. We're in agreement on that point. We literally just said you're not slaves. I wish I uh, knew what the exchange rate for prison points was. Like, um, excuse me, freedom points. Freedom. freedom what did points, I say? Yes. <laughs> you said prison points. Oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, freedom points. Um, because not, I mean, not to get too whatever, but if you think about not to get too whatever, um, this flippant thing, but like, oh, wow, you're you're getting a bit whatever <laughs> like, here. Get off on a whatever, but um, uh like prison labor right as a real thing as it like institutionalized slavery here in our real world where that is true working you know for literally pennies um and what choice is that really right so i'm just curious um what that looks like i want to see the punch card for freedom points before i decide whether or not i'm uh yeah whether or not i feel like that was a fair choice to offer or not. I have well, a feeling you, they're, they're kind of the equivalent of like airline miles. <laughs> <laughs> like you get one freedom point for every dollar you spend on uh, Galactica Airways. <laughs> for every uh, JP of water. Yeah. For every JP of water, <laughs> you get one freedom point, but it's like 300,000 freedom points to, uh, to like go to Fiji for the weekend or whatever. <laughs> And I, I actually I like that you bring that up because they do really um, touch on some some interesting moral quandaries here in this in this episode. This whole idea of like the good of the entire species really is at stake. I mean, they all need water. Everyone is going to die with you know the very small like Galactica can probably make it on their own if they just say fuck the fleet and jump away and like deal with what little water they have. Their you know their filtration systems would last them at least a while till they could find more. But that's not what they're about. Uh, but like people are already like starting to uh, get be you know, be concerned about like dying from dehydration, and so there are water a, riots break, breaking out on the fleet. There are water riots breaking out. People people are riding over water or lack thereof, and so like this is a legitimate concern for everyone involved in fact like it's even in the prisoner's best interests because of sooner or later if they don't have a, a supply of water they're also going to be affected um and they are being offered something in return and they're uh, you know that's probably better than what they had before where they had, were basically just sitting in this indefinite limbo of a small cell on a prison ship that was only meant to be basically a bus ride and never like a life sentence. But at the same time, you're right. Like, like, how do you value the, like, what, what value do you place on prison labor? And like, at what point does that turn into 
and they get their freedom. We get a little bit of an answer later in the episode, uh, but I, I think that that's a really great point. And uh, it also gives the prisoners some leverage to make their uh, the, you know, make their demands later on. One of my favorite Saltai moments in, I'm going to say at least in this season, because there's a lot of good ones uh, over the whole show, but is uh, there you know, Chief Tyrrell is giving him the report on the 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 moon or the planet or whatever they found with with the water, and uh, you know he's flipping through the paper and he's like, you know, thirty seven percent sodium chloride. What the hell? We can't drink salt water. I just I don't know why the, the, his delivery on that line just gets me every time. And then uh, the I think it's the chief is like, can you turn the page yeah. and read the rest? Like he he literally like, flips the page over. He's like, yes, sir. That's why I had Kelly test the ice. Uh, but it's also like your water, which he falls up with a ho 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 ho. Like he gets all like, <laughs> <laughs> like I guarantee you, he he had to be drunk. The the character had to be drunk in this scene. Just the way he's reacting to things is just like. Was this is this before or after he gets the uh, the morning uh, reveille? I feel like the episode starts up. with the morning reveille. Yeah, I think it's that because he wakes up shirtless, picks up his bottle shirtless. Yeah, picks up his bottle of whiskey, pours just a little bit in a cup, savors it, pours a little bit more, just a big old smile <laughs> on his face, <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's the stuff. <laughs> So yeah, he's drunk. Oh yeah, by uh, by the time that he gets to the CIC, uh, which I'm not 100 percent sure, but there's a bunch of boxes on his desk that look like they're like the kind of uh, the nice packaging that a like a good bottle of whiskey would come in, and I, it makes me wonder: did he manage to like somehow stockpile just before the uh, just before the the Cylon invasion? Well, I feel like much like. Uh well, you know, the, since I think he was retiring too, along with with Commander Adama, wasn't he? Wasn't that the plan? I don't know if that's that ever really said, but that kind of makes sense in my head. So maybe they were like a retirement gift, like, "Hey, here's that whiskey you drink all the time. <laughs> here's thirty bottles of that whiskey." Yeah. Like the other, the other uh, flip side of that is, um, I, I don't know that that's the case because I feel like he's he's rationing it because we see, and I think it's it's one of the last episode or even in thirty three where he takes his fingers and he's marking off like a finger and a finger and a finger of the bottle. He's rationing it. And I don't, yeah, I don't know that's, if that's, that's him saying like, I only want to drink this much per day cause I want to save it. Or if that's him saying, I want to try to cut back on my drinking and only drink this much <laughs> per day. Well, he, like he does have that brief period where he like, you know, gets on the wagon for a little while. For like so eight it minutes. feels like yeah. it might be, uh, the, the rationing, um, because it, it definitely feels like for a long time, like Ty never, never runs out of, out of alcohol. Well, like a true alcoholic, they never will. Um, <laughs> there's also the argument to be made that much like Galactica, uh, Colonel Ty's system is a very efficient alcohol recycling <laughs> plant as well, where, uh, he can actually, uh, Maintain almost 100% efficiency recycling the alcohol. This is a terrible joke. I'm sorry. Can you? I'd like to, you Ty know is what? the Ty is the Legolas of whiskey. <laughs> There's just always more, always more arrows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for explaining that joke because I didn't get it. <laughs> so shit goes down, uh, as yeah. it turns out. Um, there is a, a bit of a mutiny on the Astral Queen. 
uh, where the prisoners take over and take the uh, the people from Galactica prisoner. Yeah, uh, I, I love the moment just before that because after uh, Zarek essentially just kind of like gives them all the middle finger and casually strolls back into his cell, and the you know, the, the Galactica details all like, "What the hell just happened? Like, why wouldn't they take the steel?" Lee goes down and like sits to have a heart to heart with Zarek and talks about it. He's you know, like. You know, I, I studied you in college. I read your book. And he's like, oh, nice to know I was a hit on campus. Like, no, like your book was banned. I read it anyway because I, I believe in a lot of what you have to say. Uh, and you can tell, like, there's a moment where Zarek's like, oh, like someone's actually, someone's actually listening. Uh, and so, like, Lee tries to, um, like, not full-on plead with him, but, like, tries to reason with him. Like, hey, you know, like, we, we want to give you a, you know, a chance, you know, just, you know, tell your men to, you know, to take this deal. And Zarek's like, they're not my men, they're yours. Like, you've got the keys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's just this interesting dynamic back and forth between them. Uh, and it almost uh, feels to me like Zarek is pushing Lee to force the, the, the prisoners to do the work just to prove his point of like, see, we are slaves. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it almost feels like that's what he wants to happen. Zarek is a manipulator. Oh, very much so. I, I think that that's exactly what he's trying to do because then he orchestrates this, like you said, this this prison mutiny um, where the the prisoners take over the ship. They they get armed. They imprison the the Galactica crew members and try to use this as a, a bargaining tool. But what we learn is that Zarek is trying to force a reaction from the Galactica. He wants a military response to prove to the entire fleet that this, you know, this illusion of leadership and of freedom and of justice and really all it is is, is tyranny. He's, he makes some really weird stances he does. when it comes to like a man who's been in prison for 20 years trying to, to make a stance on the, the state of leadership uh, in this fleet that is literally running for their lives and is just trying to like keep some semblance of order long enough to figure the next day out. Yeah, uh, he really like tries to take some hardline stances on democracy and on voting rights and enfranchisement for uh, for the prisoners and whatnot. All of which, again, in the context of reality, I'm for. In the context of this situation, it's a really <laughs> weird hill to die on. Yeah, like maybe that's not the most pressing issue right now. Like, like, like vo- voting out Laura Roslin, not your most important concern right now when the entire fleet is running out of water. Yeah, like, like I get that he's, he's got a fair point. Nobody voted for Laura Roslin. She was not an elected official. And, you know, so he's got a point there. Yes, fine. But again... Is that really the most critical issue of the day? The fucking Cylons are coming. The water is running out. Like, can we please focus on those for just a minute? <laughs> just a minute. But he even says, uh, as he's he's talking to Lee, like he even he even says, like his his goal here is to destabilize the government, which yeah. uh, is an interesting stance to take, given how destabilized it already is. Yeah. The entire world is destabilized. Yeah, he and uh, I mean world figuratively, yes. but also literally because Caprica's fucked, and uh, presumably the other colonies are as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And doesn't um, am I misremembering mis- this or um, 
Adama Leaf figures that out sort of on his own, right? Like, yeah, he um he they're like going back and forth about whether or not he's going to take the steel and blah blah blah, and then he's like, oh fuck, like you want you want them to send the the whatevers in, like you want this to be. So he thought he was like being, uh, he was like obfuscating what his actual goal was, but he wasn't that uh that. The uh, careful, I guess, about it. He made it pretty obvious to Lee, at least. Yeah, Lee yeah. saw right through that bullshit. He's a manipulator, but he might not be as clever as he thinks mm-hmm. he is. And we should definitely talk about that. But since Kitsy wanted to do my job, I'm going to do yours and say we've got multiple Dreyas contacts. So why don't we uh, jump away to a safe location uh, while we listen to a uh, uh, a word from our sponsor this week, and when we come back, we'll resume. Jump. Well, that's funny because uh, the done. thing is, I have jump the editing in. power, and we do have multiple Dreda's contacts. So why don't we uh, jump to a safe location while we hear from our sponsors this week? I don't know. Any and other. Uh, we'll be back to talk about the rest Words of the episode the in just a minute. So thank you so. very much for listening, and stay tuned. <laughs> what now, motherfucker? <laughs> The Storyteller Series is a podcast bringing back classic radio theater, featuring engaging storytelling delivered to you monthly. From narrated tales to character-driven stories performed by multiple voice actors, all will bring you on an audible journey. Join us at StorytellerSeriesPodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Show notes notes so far are just simply Richard Hatch. Where have all the counts gone? <laughs> and does Ty ever run out of whiskey? Perfect. <laughs> you were implying that Ty is drinking his own pee, correct? Yes, is that, yes, okay? that is exactly <laughs> what I was implying. Thank you. I thought it was like like in Waterworld. Like, like, uh, yeah. Where he pees into the thing, but instead of pure water, it comes out pure whiskey. Right. Yeah. And then oh, I was that assuming that then... Uh, Caleb, your implication was that Legolas is also drinking his pee, and then I was just wondering that, if in every that's what I thought too. In every like, sci-fi <laughs> fantasy franchise, there's one character who drinks his own pee. Well, ever or since Waterworld, that has been true. There is always a character, whether they show it on screen or not. There's always a character that drinks their own pee there's in every one. science fiction franchise <laughs> since 1993's Waterworld. Was that 1993? That feels right. That feels right. And we're back. We're back. We're back. Welcome back, everyone. We've successfully evaded uh, Legolas's pee. <laughs> and we have <laughs> emerged. Oh, I hate this podcast. <laughs> is, it, is it Andrew's turn to quit? <laughs> it's, it's, it would be. That, that would be the right week for this. <laughs> uh so as we've learned, uh, the Tom Zarek has uh, orchestrated a, a bit of a, a, a mutiny on the Astral Queen, and now the, the prisoners are in charge, and they're trying to use their uh, Galactica hostages as leverage uh, to uh, obtain some, some political objectives, namely that uh, President Laura Roslin, who was not duly elected, but rather uh, simply... Uh, Brought in place through the uh, the Articles of uh, Succession, uh, right? Articles of Succession is that how that works? Sure. Is that, is that the the right words? There are words. Those are all <laughs> words, but I don't know if they're the right ones. Um, she she comes in place through the uh, the Order of Succession, uh, and you know she, he he demands that she resign. Which how does he even know like 
really much about who's president at all, much less if she's you know, worthy of the role or not. That's not the point. Uh, but then demands in, you know, immediate elections. Um, and I always wonder, like, does he think that by making this demand from prison that that immediately makes him eligible to run for office against uh, whoever runs? Presumably, you know, Rosalind would run again. To be fair, he, I mean, he fair. doesn't say he wants to run for office, though. He doesn't. That's my question, though. Who? But I feel like it's strongly implied. Hmm. I was, I was just curious, like who, who's running for, for president if not Roslyn and, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Tom Adama. No. Oh, Tom Zarek. Zarek. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a good question. Who wants to be president of that? <laughs> Who other than Doral in you know the the miniseries is like really at all thinking about the like the the problem of who's in the, the leadership role right now? Uh, I I would venture to guess that the vast majority of the people throughout the fleet are just happy to still be alive, mm -hmm. uh, and a large percentage of those who don't fall into that category. Uh, are just wondering uh, when that no longer becomes true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel like like I can't imagine so I can't imagine being in the midst of that situation. You know, in pursuit by the Cylons, humanity's dying out. You know, and being like, you know what? I think I want to be president now. Like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I really want to do make really fucking hard choices all day long and have like. The pressure of almost 50,000 people depending on me every day. Yeah. And have no one ever be happy with what I choose because there's no way that you're going to make people happy. Like, it's just, yeah, no, I, no, no one, no one in the right mind would run for office under those circumstances. I'm sorry. It which, just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Which brings me to Gaius Baltar is who I think maybe would run. Um, I could see Ooh, him interesting. bumbling himself into that position with six like screaming in his ear and then suddenly being saddled <laughs> with 50,000 people and having no like uh, facility to, with which to, to run. Um, so basically he just like Baltars his way into uh, <laughs> running for office. <laughs> it's a verb now for sure. It is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, he starts out trying to deny any interest whatsoever. And then, Somehow, by the end of the conversation, has like already submitted his name to <laughs> yeah. to run. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, and it's funny that you you bring up the imagery of him stumbling through an explanation while Six is yelling <laughs> in his ear, uh, because we do have an excellent uh, scene in this episode uh, where uh, it's a, a quiet, intense moment in the uh, in the commander's quarters uh, where he's like, "So, how's my Cylon detector coming along?" <laughs> like pours himself a, a glass of water and offers one to, to Baltar who promptly drops and breaks the glass. And I can't imagine that glasses are really like super easy to come by right now. So like way to go guys and, and way to Baltar that up. And notice not only does he, he drop and break the glass, but neither one of them acknowledge it. Nobody cleans it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> And so, of course, to this line of questioning, uh, you know, from a very intimidating uh, commander in Dama, uh, Baltar just can't quite find actual words. Uh, he, he stammers and stumbles quite a bit uh, and basically starts to try to say, like, you know what? I, I can't do it. You're right. I'm not the right man. And I don't even know, like, 
why I you know tried to say that I could and then six starts just like berating him and threatening him and she's like you're going to say exactly this and starts telling him what to tell uh the commander and it's a bit of a shocker even to Gaius what he ends up saying he says to commander Dama what I really need to complete the silent detector <laughs> is a nuclear warhead. And it works. I, I can't believe yeah. that it works. And Adama's just like, all right. You'll but there's, there's six left in the fucking universe, but you can have one of them. Sure. Yeah. We, we have six left on this ship, and we're probably going to need some of those. Uh, well, I mean, I guess if you just if you don't want to, to you know to figure out who's a silent, I mean, I guess you're, you're right. We probably shouldn't prioritize that. You'll get your warhead. <laughs> um, like, she tells him to say that like he specifically needs the plutonium inside the warhead and then says, figure the rest out yourself and walks away. And Which he, he does to... on the fly. <laughs> He's like, oh, I could put it through a positive matrix grid and like, you know, again, the, the techno babble. A carbon fiber nanotube. Oh, yeah, car- carbon nanotube grid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and like the radiation would be able to detect inorganic substances. Like I don't remember what he says. I'm not sure he remembers what he says 30 <laughs> seconds after he says it. But it's smooth as fuck, and it convinces the uh, the commander. Mm-hmm. That uh, um, makes me wonder, or not wonder, uh, if we're still trying to decide whether or not six is a projection of his inner whatever, or is like actually beaming herself in somehow from somewhere. Um, I, think I will I have say a hunch that we're going to go ahead. I say, I have a hunch that we're going to be spending a lot of time conjecturing on what uh, six actually is or where she's coming from yeah. that, uh, in these circumstances. That I was me, about to say more or less the same thing. Yeah. Well, that made me feel like um, she is a projection that made me feel more like I should say um, that she is more of like a, projection of Gaius's own um, psyche because it felt to me like he had maybe like half an idea of of how to get there and then like came up on mm-hmm. the end of it and so if it was real six she'd have she'd have that information for him right she clearly has a plan um, and he's mm-hmm. kind of like like that's all he's got so the projection has to walk away and then he kind of is able to muddle out the rest of it himself um, because he has to well- and one thing that gets lost along the way as he tends to baltar his way through <laughs> situations uh, is that he is legitimately a genius. Like, oh, he yeah. is a very intelligent man. And so, like, coming up with a solution like that on the fly, even if it's total horseshit, he knows that it's enough to convince mm-hmm. uh, someone who doesn't have the same, like, technical uh, acumen that he does. Uh, and so, like, it's like he is brilliant with that. But... It's hard to remember that when he's <laughs> such a buffoon most of the time. Buffoon is the exact right word for him. Yes. Buffoonery left and right. <laughs> I love him. But we have a so, we have a problem though. We have a problem. Cuz the prisoners have taken over the Astral Queen and they've got our boy Apollo and our boy Billy Ray Cylon <laughs> and our girls Duwala and Callie uh Locked up in cells. And that's no good. That's that's not good at all. Uh, so the decision's made uh, to send in the Marines. 
And uh, Starbuck is tasked with uh, coming up with the plan for that, to which she announces that she's going as well, <laughs> because uh, in her own words, she is the best shot in and out of the cockpit. And uh, Colonel Ty agrees with her. He says, you know, for once, she's right. <laughs> which, like, the the commander just stops and looks at him like, the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Since when do you agree? Yeah. So uh, so Starbuck leads the Marine charge into uh, into the Astral Queen. Uh, even as Adama's on the phone with Tom Zarek trying to, you know, talk him down. But uh, the Raptors with the Marines are already on the way, which uh, Zarek knows. He yeah. even says to Tom, he's like, your, your, your Marines are already on their way here. And that's, I think, where we get the first real hints that, like, that's exactly what he wants. Yeah. Um, like you said earlier, it, it makes perfect sense that uh, he was trying to uh, orchestrate uh, a response from the the colonials to force the prisoners into, like, essentially slave labor. That didn't work. So now he knows that he can uh, manipulate them into trying to storm and take the the ship uh, by force. Thus, uh, you know, creating this uh, artificially orchestrated bloodshed. Even if that means him dying in the process, then he becomes a martyr to the cause that he mm-hmm. was trying to uh, trying to stir up. And that's where, like, we have this moment of Lee realizing that and calling him on that shit. And like, you have a, a moment of kind of like, oh shit, on Zarek's face as he realizes, like. Like he's he might not be as uh, subtle and clever as he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. But we've got we've got another problem yeah. because one of the prisoners uh, is showing an interest in Callie in a way I'm not very fond of. No, uh, I don't like what this guy's up to at all. He is uh, giving her a hard time. He keeps calling her little girl. Uh, she's trying to take a nap. <laughs> Because she's she's had enough of this shit, and like uh, you know what, I don't blame her. And uh, you know, and he's he's giving her a hard time, and he gets into her cell, very menacingly and threateningly, like. And then we hear a ruckus, a commotion, if you will, a hullabaloo, and uh, and a hullabaloo, hullabaloo yes, yes. Uh, a brouhaha, if you will. I was gonna say that. <laughs> And now, I'm not entirely sure the sequence of events here, because they never really make it clear, but my interpretation of it is that he's coming at her in a threatening way, and she bites his ear off. Yes, yes she does. To which, she sh- to which he shoots her in the stomach. I'm pretty sure that's the order things happen. I think so, too. Because I don't that think... That seems right. I don't think he would shoot her, and then she'd bite his ear off. No, because we hear, like, her scream, and then him yell, and the gun go off. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, like, it, like <laughs> you come and you see uh, her laying back on the bed, holding her bleeding stomach, but, like, blood also coming out of her mouth, and him, like, holding the side of his face, like, she fucking bit me! <laughs> and, like, fuck yes, Kelly. Yeah. No, Get it. Yeah. Kelly's hardcore. I, I love her. I've been... Um sort of indifferent toward her up until that moment she was fine i didn't dislike her um but i had no feelings about her really either way but that really i mean oh god that was that was just so fucking good i loved it yeah 
Yeah, she takes no uh, shit. Mm-mm. And that uh, that creates a, a really tense moment. Uh, but then Lee actually gets one of the uh, the guns away from one of the other prisoners and drops that guy before he can shoot Kelly again because mm-hmm. uh, he, he he wants revenge at that point. Yeah, nobody fucks with uh, with Lee's shipmates. Mm-hmm. Not on his watch. And you, mm. You again, you see on Zarek's face that things are not going like he planned because mm-hmm. this was, you know, one of his kind of, uh, kind of long term, at least associates. Like this guy tries to at least, like come off like you know, Tom and I go way back. We've shared a cell for twenty years, whatever. Uh, we played tennis and, back on Sagittarius <laughs> on Tuesdays. Yeah, everybody played tennis back on Sagittarius, uh, and. Like you see, like, well, shit. Now this guy's dead, and like, this is definitely not going as planned. And like, this this you know, other hostage almost got killed, and like, you know, this this plan might be getting away from me. Uh, and just at that moment, the um, the Marines do storm the ship and surround them. And but they don't know that. Know, they don't know that because they do now. it quietly. <laughs> uh, Lee gets the upper hand and actually like turns his gun on Zarek. And tells him exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, Lee pulls a surprise move. Uh, you know he he basically tells him, you know, you're gonna do you're gonna do this thing. You're gonna get the you know do the water, and then you're gonna get your elections. And Zarek's not and quite sure how to feel. He's like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> I am. And he's like, because I believe in what you what you say. Um, you know, you're, you're, I think you're absolutely right. We do need to, like, uh, to, to stand for, like, for, you know, these principles of freedom and democracy. They go a little heavy handed on <laughs> they do, but, uh, that kind of stuff. But, but the point is made. But we'll come back to that. Cause, cause Lee, Lee's a clever fucker. Mm-hmm. He's very clever. Um, but, uh, you, uh, while Lee's got the gun pointed at Tom and is telling him this, Starbuck is, you know, basically trying to get a clean shot at Zarek, but can't because Lee's in the way, and she obviously doesn't want to hit Lee because that would be rude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Lee notices uh, the the laser sight on mm-hmm. on Tom and uh, very quickly throws him to the ground to get him out of the way. Uh, a few shots ring out. And uh, Lee L ceasefire, you know, throws his hands in the air, got the gun dangling from the finger, and you're like, just ceasefire, ceasefire. Starbucks pissed because she wanted to drop that <laughs> motherfucker so bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of wonder what the implications are for the the future of the show with a a man who's clearly like charismatic and manipulative and uh, like people want to listen to him. They like they even talk a, a few times throughout the the episode about how like people followed him. Like, yeah, people believed in him. You know, even though like he was known for uh, blowing up like a government building on Sagittarion, and you know, to some people he was uh, a freedom fighter, like fighting against oppression. To others, he you know was a a you know brutal terrorist and like deserved to rot in jail, if not worse. And so, like, you know, people are divided about him, but they're definitely talking about him. Yeah, and there's there's this great moment with uh, Billy and Dwala, where mm-hmm. we find out Billy is uh, on team. He's a freedom fighter. He's you know a, a noble person, and Dwala is on team. He's a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this moment where you know Billy says something like, 
you know, how can you say that when, you know, your people, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, don't tell me about my people. <laughs> yes. They're so great. Yeah. And, uh, oh, poor Billy, man. He wants, uh, he's trying so hard with her and he's just fucking it up every time he turns around. Yes. I love D though. I love how, like, like passionately she makes that mm-hmm. stance. Mm-hmm. And like, ah, it's great. Um, I also think there's, yeah. there's a, again, parallels with what's going on in today's world in that moment. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the, uh, that exchange between the two of them, like you said, is, I mean, it, it, that could have been like, if this show were making new episodes today and that episode aired, I would have been like, Oh, they really rushed to get this one out. Like they, it's, it's almost too on the nose. Um, but it's, yeah. it's another mm-hmm. instance of the show being like, we should maybe listen to what they were talking about. Uh, was that 16, 15 years ago? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's something that I, that I like about the show so far is that it, it doesn't, it isn't afraid to um, bring up some, some issue that has to do with their, um, their society, I guess, uh, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word mm-hmm. and not tie it up. Just like these are issues. Not everything is going to be able um, to sort of like be explored and fleshed out, but this is a real world and there are other things happening around it. And mm-hmm. um, I think I've said this before, yeah. but it just like, you can feel the the history and the world behind what we're watching. And yes. I think that's a, this episode and, and the way they use his character and the people, how they feel about him um, is a really good example of that. Well, yeah, and I I really appreciate how the show doesn't try to go and dedicate like an entire hour to like this is what daily life was like <laughs> on Sagittarius, and these are the, the 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 riots that led to the the storming of the government building and the bombing and the you know here was the trial of Tom Zarek and like they don't try to give you all of this exposition. It's just this like these little glimpses into like these people's lives that are already in progress. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we, you put the pieces together as the show progresses and you learn more about the people and you learn about the tensions between the, the colonies or like tensions specifically on a colony or, you know, things like that. We talked a little bit in the, the pilot episode about there being like some class divides. Mm-hmm. And so we, we get those in snippets rather than this broad, heavy handed exposition. And I always really appreciate that about this show. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that make the, makes this show so great is that, you know, it's not just a, you know, space battle of the week. I've, we've said this before on the podcast. It's not just a space battle of yeah. the week. It's It really explores these social issues, these economic issues, these class issues among, uh, uh, among these people. And I think that's really cool that they went there because, you know, that's really, I think, in you know, as, as realistic as you can make a show about, you know, humans in space fighting robots they created that took over, uh, you know, that's really what would be happening is the, 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 the people would be having their own internal struggles completely separate from what's actually going on around them that are still Mm going to be there. And so I love that the show actually explores that. And it's not just like all Cylons all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And even in our most dire circumstances, senses, uh, humanity is not putting up a united front. Nope. Like, like we're we're we are going to make ways to disagree with each other. <laughs> um, but Kitsy, you hinted at this earlier, but there was uh, there's some payoff to Lee's mm. uh, Lee's scheme where he outmaneuvers uh, Zarek. 
Yeah, no, I love this. There, he's on Colonial One with uh, with Laura Roslin and 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 uh, Papa Adama. <laughs> Papa Adama. Papa Bear. <laughs> and uh, and he lets uh, you know he first tells them that like he gave the prisoners the ship, and it's theirs, and they're in control of it. Uh, and Adama's like, "You did what?" <laughs> <laughs> and Lee's like, "It's done. They're they have the ship. They're in control." Uh, they have no weapons, and Tom's like, the ship itself is a weapon. He's like, it's done. I did it. Like, I gave them the ship. It's, Sorry. You know. And, uh, yeah, and then he's like, and we're gonna have elections, and Laura's like, you did what? Like, <laughs> Mom and dad and, are mad. Uh, yeah, no, they're pissed at him, and, and he's like, look, uh, all due respect, like, you are serving the remainder of President Adar's term, which is up in, like, eight months or whatever it is anyway, uh, and I've committed you to holding elections within the year, so all I've done is committing you to following the law as it stands. Like I, you know, yeah. And then he has this great, this great thing where he says, like, you know, and if if we're no longer following the yes. law, then yes. I am not a captain. You are not a commander, and you are not the president. <laughs> and none of this means anything. This means and you anything. can't tell me shit. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, and you can kind of see on their faces that they're pissed, but they're like, he's right though. Mm-hmm. The, well, there's an amazing, you you know, you make the joke, mom and dad are mad, but like Rosalind looks at Adama and is like, he's your son. <laughs> and he looks back at her, he's your advisor. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Like, it it is such a parental moment. And they're like, well, shit, he's right. Yeah. But I, th- I think that was such a clever, po- uh, a clever play on Lee's part because... You know, he gave Zarek what he wanted. Uh-huh. But in reality, he didn't change anything. He didn't, like, they, they, it was something they were going to have to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was able to defuse the current situation and defer the, like, like the demand from being an immediate thing to being something that runs its natural course. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And it gives them, like... A, some breathing room to try in seven months to get through this immediate crisis after crisis situation to a point where maybe they can start to think about what it would be like to involve politics again in their daily life. Uh, yeah, it was, it's an absolutely like brilliant tactical move uh, from like both like a military and legal standpoint. And you can see him starting to straddle that line between uh, you know, basically the the worlds of like his father and the president who he's he's grown so close with, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he even says to to Rosalind like, look, for what it's worth, like I believe in you, and seven months from now you have my vote. Yeah, and like reassuring like this this isn't you know a, a dig at you, and this isn't like I don't agree with Tom that like you shouldn't be president, but I agree with him that we should follow some semblance of the the articles of the colonization that has been like our guiding principle for however long. Yeah. I mean, that's literally Lee is in the military to defend and uphold the articles of the constitution. So if they're going to throw out, you know, elections and you know, the, the, the letter of the law, then like he says, the, then what's the point? What are we even doing here? It is. It's fascinating the ways that they find to hang on to uh, their their past life and their society in a scenario where, like, 
realistically, all of that is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all of that was gone the day that the colonies were were nuked. But they find a way to like the only way we can have something approaching normal is to try to like maintain some of these institutions and some of these like rituals and habits. And like, I feel like that's a very natural and human reaction. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, there's, there's so many uh, like sci-fi and like apocalyptic stories and stuff like that, where like everything just breaks down completely uh, when disaster strikes. But I feel like our, our natural reaction would be more to try to cling to, something like normalcy yeah it's like on lost it's like on lost um for example Um, (laughs) there it is here we are in andrea's lost corner welcome to my lost (laughs) let's write you a jingle for this (laughs) um thank you for joining me it's a lot like when they make the golf course on on lost island and this concludes andrea's lost corner (laughs) (laughs) speaking of turn the turning the corner (laughs) There's a really sweet little moment with uh, Kara and Ty. Oh yeah! Towards the end, after the uh, the, the prisoners do agree to uh, to help mine the, the moon, all is well. Uh, Kara comes to, to Ty's quarters with uh, with a, a thermos or no, a flask, uh, which looks like maybe a peace offering between them. And she she pours him a cup and pours herself a cup, and they cheers. Now, like, what is this water? <laughs> she goes, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, it is." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and too because plenty more where that came from. It's funny too because the face he makes is like he just drank the most awful bitter like <laughs> alcohol in his life, and he's like, "Oh, what is that?" <laughs> uh, just, like it's the foulest thing. And like, what is that water? Water. Um, and you know, she has this moment where like you you can tell like she's kind of extending the the proverbial olive branch. She's like, you know what, I I have my flaws too. And uh, he can't quite help himself. He's like, well, my flaws are personal. Yours are professional. I'm like, and then, and then, and then says, that'll be all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like she, she's, tr- oh. she's trying and he's like, fuck off. <laughs> but there's a, there's a little bit of tenderness in, tenderness in that moment. Yeah. I think so. Not a lot. Not a lot. But a little. I can see the cracks starting to show. There's some. I can see where where their uh, relationship is is headed. I think they'll get married soon enough. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. They're. Uh, you know what? Oh. Uh, we fu- we forgot about the uh, the return of the child that was uh, <laughs> that, that took up an empty spot on the the raptor. Oh, that's right. Scraps is back. He's, her, he's her taken up with uh, with Kara. <laughs> oh yeah and then there's oh yeah so they're in the ready room early on in the episode and uh it, you know Kara's given uh what's his name flat top a, a a hard time about uh how he's he's blowing his landings and uh she and she's smoking a cigar in, in the ready room oh, and so good <laughs> and uh and then Ty it's it is Ty right it says the kid like where's your yeah. mom and and he's like dead where's yours <laughs> 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 and then they, like they're walking through the hallway, Kara and this little little boy, and they see Gaius, and she's like, "Oh, Gaius, it's good to see you again." Is it really? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and they high five. <laughs> so good. Which I totally fucking forgot about That's until right. I watched that again. That's right. <laughs> That's so good. You have to put that on the list of times that Andrea teared up because it was such a beautiful joy. Like there was just true joy in my heart that I couldn't. It's just so good. <laughs> 
Part of me regrets saying such mean things about the kid when they uh, brought him onto the Raptor because, like, that did bring some legitimate joy into my life. So <laughs> it's good. just that, that the high five and the, <laughs> yep, she's dead. Where's yours? <laughs> just, like, gives him a look of disgust, uh. like, who are you, old man? <laughs> I mean, it was still a waste of space to bring him along, but oh. like that's funny. Yeah, but at least you know, at least Starbucks <laughs> found something useful for him to like, burn other people on the <laughs> ship. <laughs> so good! Oh my god, he's he's the perfect little protege for Starbucks. Yes, it's like he, it's like he's like all her swagger. Like he's total deadpan, <laughs> uh, like just stiff. <laughs> just and he's, plays so well And he's a little shit just like she is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so good Oh Well uh I feel like we've mostly covered this episode This Yeah It feels like we, we got there We, we took the long way but t- we did We did We did uh, Andrea as always I'm interested in uh, Your predictions Your thoughts Your feelings Your questions Your Uh I don't have a funny thing to put here, so just go ahead and start talking whenever you want. Would be great. Just kind of bail me out of this corner I painted myself into. Mm-hmm. Are you all? <laughs> I was just waiting for you to for, for you to wind yourself out on that. Um, this is another episode where I guess we're not getting a ton of um, plot advancement, and four seasons. Just kind of thinking about the trajectory of the show overall um, feels like not a lot of space for me um and so i assumed that things would be moving much faster on the show and i like that they're not i like like we've said that they take time to to settle in and really work through these these personal dynamics and stuff um and i don't think i'm adding anybody to my silent list i'm trying to think if there's anybody are you taking anyone off your silent list um i don't think so ira glass has yet to to prove himself to me so he's still on there um I still think, I mean, I know I started, it started like half as a joke, but I still think um, Billy may very well be a Cylon. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else, between the th- between the three of us, um, my, God, you know, I don't, I don't know. And I'm usually, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to wait a little bit to, to weigh in anymore on the Cylon talk. Um, where did we, did we leave off on this episode? Were they teeing us up for anything? I'm trying to think um, other than like elections in eight months, but like at the end of 33, we knew there was going to have to be some water stuff happening, right? Um, some water stuff. Um, but I'm trying to think of what loose ends we got other than the prisoner ship floating in space. No, I mean, that's, that's, there's not a lot of loose ends in this one. I mean, obviously they're going to have to start actually pumping the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like this one kind of is the, like the tie up and the, the, the payoff to a lot of setup between the miniseries and the first yeah. couple episodes of the season. Yeah. Uh, like we mentioned uh, in the partial recap earlier, uh, you know, they, they talked about the prison ship and so that set the, the tension that that exists. So like that's in the mm-hmm. back of your mind, there's this prison ship. Uh, and then we have the the water crisis and who's going to to uh to deal with that and so like it all comes to a head now with this now um i do think that now that the idea of elections has been posed uh that definitely like 
if that if that doesn't pay off later on the road, then that was absolutely wasted opportunity. So I think we'll see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've seen the last of Tom Zarek. I think Richard Hatch is too good of a, a, a uh, of a character to uh, to waste. Yeah, that's what I was trying uh, and, to. I guess there's uh, a way that that very well could have been like, and there's just this prisoner ship floating in space, and we know that, but because they have no weapons or whatever, they're not a threat. And what a fun guest star to have, right, from the previous yeah. show. And I couldn't tell what exactly I uh, what they were, whether or not they were setting doing that to set I it mean, up or to tie it up. Um, I mean, I, I'll say, and like, uh, I guess this is kind of cheating because I do know for for this for a fact but like you don't spend that much time setting up a character like that to not have him like continue to play a role in the show yeah i guess there's also a way to have him sort of play a role without the because it is something off like it could continue off screen right um depending on what that just thinking about the the show outside of the the fiction like in our real world Um, yeah but but he's he's a really compelling character so i'm excited to to see what happens with that. No, he is. And Richard Hatch does a fantastic job playing him. He really does. Yeah. It was a... And I'll be honest, like as much as I've talked shit about the, like the one episode that I've seen of the original, it does kind of make me want to go back and like watch that series. So uh, maybe once we're done here, that's something I'll, I'll explore doing because like, I, I want to see like him, Playing that like younger, yeah, like hotshot pilot sort of character, be the good guy instead of the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, well, like how does that play out? I'm glad you bring up the theology of the show because it's something I was interested in, in the beginning, and it's something that we haven't spent a lot of time with. And every time I'm thinking about recording, um, I always come back to this, and I it's not a fully formed idea yet because we don't have enough, but. Um, I've heard the phrase, the 12 Lords of Cobalt, right? 12 Lords, mm-hmm. is that right? Um, yeah. And each one of those corresponding with one of 12 colonies. Mm-hmm. Now, if we live, if this isn't a universe where Earth, quote unquote, uh, you know, there's an Earth that exists at, in some way, is that a thir- Is there a 13th God that went, do you know what I mean? Where does that... Um, we will find out more <laughs> about that. As the show progresses. And it's interesting. Yes. Uh, Six always says, or not always, but at, at one point at least she says something about my God, singular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. She so that, like a, is, uh, that is something that's kind of established, uh, I think, by now. It, it, it's not flat out said, but it's is pretty well established, is that, you know, the, the humans worship the 12 lords of Kobol, the 12 gods, and you'll even hear you'll even hear them say they'll be like, "Oh my gods," mm-hmm. or they thank the gods or Lords whatever. Of Cobol, yeah. yeah, but then uh, the Cylons worship a, a singular god. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. it's just there's a lot of moving parts there that I've been mm-hmm. working through. And like, I am absolutely fascinated in the idea of the the Cylons monotheistic religion, especially because the Cylons know they understand fully that they were created by humans. Mm-hmm. So where from like that knowledge of being created by a species of humans who are polytheistic, where did their monotheism come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's absolutely fucking fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I love the way that that intertwines th- throughout the series. The fact they're even religious at all is kind of weird when you think <laughs> about it. It is. It is, but it, it definitely, it, uh, 
it drives a lot of the Cylon storyline. It does. And it, it, like, it's going to become more important as time goes on. Oh, I can't wait to, to learn more about that then. I think that's really fascinating. Cool. Yeah. So much like the, uh, the real-life Bastille Day, the events of this episode were largely symbolic and uh, will probably be mostly forgotten to history, although uh, possibly still celebrated by a small group of people who were were there and were affected but uh i i still think that uh, this was an important moment in uh in the colonial fleets uh history and uh it's definitely marks a marks a turning point for the uh the rosalind administration or at least a uh uh a it creates a, a new sense of uh of urgency in uh in her having to actually think about the the future of her her political career that she didn't seek to begin with, but I think we'll uh, we'll learn more as time goes on. I do hope we see more from uh, from Tom Zarek, and uh, you know, let us know if you're if you're following along with us on, uh, on any social media. Uh, let us know what you think. You know, have we seen the last of of Tom Zarek? Would you vote for uh, for President Rosalind? Uh, do you think that? Um, Lee really thought his gamble was going to work or was he just taking a shot in the dark? You know, what do you think? Do you think Commander Adama would look fucking awesome with a mustache? <laughs> yeah, he fucking would. <laughs> Spoiler. He does. Yeah, it happens and he does. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that said, once again, uh, if you uh, have enjoyed this uh, episode and have not already, give us a subscribe so that you can uh, be alerted uh, when your Dreadus picks up a, a new episode from us each week. Uh, and until then, we're going to spool up the FTL drives and jump to a safe location, uh, get these water tanks full, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to Set Condition 1, a Night Shift Radio production. Begin jump prep. We're leaving back. Start your prep. Set Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.